welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast, season 11, episode 9. Good to be with you. As always, myself, Dan Fellers, and Camille and Ali are with us again. Welcome back. Hello. Good to have you with us. Ali, you got a new background behind you, shaking <laughs> yes. things up a bit for us little bit downstairs in my living room today. <laughs> nice. Very nice. So welcome, everybody. We're glad you could join us. Every episode, we do four different segments, keep you up to date on everything going on in the Airtable world. I'll go through quickly what we're going to be talking about today. Um, as always, we'll go through all the different communities and share with you what's going on to keep you up to date. Then we will do a spotlight on Ontoware, our primary sponsor. We will then do a scripting time, um, getting into the code a little bit. Then we'll answer a question that was asked recently on the Airtable community. And then a plug for our community. And then finally, we'll learn more about uh, some new functionality that came to Airtable in the filters. So with that, we will start with our round the bases, talking about the different uh, highlights of communities and news from Airtable. So let's start. Um, we'll just give a quick plug for the interface designer contest that is happening. We talked quite a bit about this last week or the week before, so won't go into too much detail, but if you have something cool we're sharing. Uh, Ali, I don't think you were on this. Are you planning to, to enter? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So there's money, free money going out. Um, so there's three different categories, best design, best use case solution, and wildcard category. So you can submit for each category. So you could submit three different uh, interfaces and likely get some uh, cash prize out of that. So we're checking out. It's due by the end of July. So you've still got a month left to uh, submit for that. Mm -hmm. All right. Airtable did put out, uh, did make some changes. Um, I think they've realized they, they do them Tuesday afternoon instead of Tuesday morning, although we might see an early Tuesday morning change that uh, we might share with you. But um, 
One big change was apps are now extensions. So this, we kind of knew this was coming. Uh, I don't think we knew exactly when it would, but um, it is now a change. So it's only change in name only. I don't think there was any real functionality that, that changed with this. Um, so yeah, so now everything is called an extension in the marketplace. Yeah, so yeah, and this post goes over the history. They used to not exist. And then when they were added, they were called blocks. And then um, sometime after the blocks contest, they were uh, renamed to apps. And then now they're being renamed to extensions. So this is, you know, hopefully the last name applied. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people uh, weren't the biggest fans of the term app. I didn't mind it. Um, yeah. But I think a lot of people consider the entirety of your Airtable the app. And so probably this move is to help clarify that, you know, blocks slash apps slash extensions are like the little piece um, of a puzzle and not the whole puzzle. Yeah. Exactly. This is this is what matters to me, the, these two sentences here. There'll be a way to enhance your views, interfaces, and more. We're working towards a future in which developers can build and share, share custom extensions across any major surface in Airtable. Yeah, so that's, that's cool. Um, I think they talked about in one of their AMAs that, you know, in a perfect world, you'd be able to create your own view type the same way you could make your own um, extension using their... Uh, custom, it's, I think it's still called the custom blocks API, but, you know, custom extensions API, you could code your own view type. That's something, you know, they're thinking of way down the line. And with um, Interface Designer, each piece on your page is called an element. And so maybe they're thinking of a world in which there's no elements, it's all extensions, and you just, you know, put them together like that. Right. Yeah. That yeah, and I probably... I think it's fair to say that this is still a ways off. This yeah. is not something coming next month. <clears throat> uh, I'd be shocked if it was. It would be amazing, but I would be very surprised based on what little I know of what's going on at Airtable. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think I, I I was okay with apps. I was okay with blocks too, but. Yeah. I, I like the name extensions and I do think it does free up the word apps to be used in a more specific way or broader, I guess, broad and specific at the same time. It's like, yeah. you can build whatever you want and you can call that your app, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We're still struggling with it on to air of how do we name our things now? Cause we've been calling them apps, but not everything we have is an extension. We do have extensions to our apps. And so <clears throat> we're struggling with our naming convention. And so if you or others have input on, on how we should name our things, we, we're definitely open to that. Well, clearly you have to start using blocks now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We'll just go back to blocks. Yep. <clears throat> So definitely, yeah, so exciting. I think it's good laying the foundation for the future um, that I hope is their vision. Uh, I think it's what makes sense to really make their platform, you know, extendable for, for all use cases. Um, so hopefully there's more to come on that front. But right now it's, it's just a name change. Um, 
and some good discussion there if you want to look into it. Okay. There was also a feature release, a feature update. And um, so the, the ability to um, create filter options for linked records. So when you have a filter, the only thing you used to be able to do was just whether it contained text and now there's more functionality, but Ali is going to do a deep dive into this new functionality in one of our, in one of our segments. So we won't uh, steal her thunder here. So, but this is cool. This is exciting. I think a lot of people were happy to see this. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And we will dive into that one. So hang on for uh, later in today's episode and we'll dive deep into the new filter options. Uh, this was one, I don't know if you guys saw this, maybe I'm just late to the game in this, but they just sent out a newsletter, um, Airtable did from the community manager or somebody um, on the marketing team. And it had a thing in there about um, some new advanced features in Airtable syncing. And um is this has this been around for a while or is it new the ability to where are we um a couple it's things the ability to change the primary field i don't think I, that's been around i think it's relatively new i feel like i saw it maybe but i also don't work in sync tables so often that i you know yeah. can pinpoint exactly when it is it's it wasn't there at launch that's for sure right what you what you had been able to do prior was select fields. And if you, for example, have two data sources syncing into the same table, then you could point different fields at, you could say, I want this field from this table and this field from this table to go into this new field in the sync table, yeah. um, and into the same field, which is super powerful in a lot of cases, but the primary field was not touchable in that case. And this is really, really cool. I know a lot of people that are going to be super excited about this. Yeah. yeah. And let me, and Melanie mentions that it just was announced this morning on the what's new. That's, that's where I saw that in the, in the letter, mm -hmm. but they haven't announced it in the community. So thank you, Melanie, for that. Um, but I think to be clear, I don't think this actually changes the, the primary field that shows in your table. I think if I'm understanding correctly, this is just the field that it uses to, uniquely identify a sync um but maybe maybe it is changing the actual field that shows up on the left yeah i feel like i feel like it should be the one that's on the left it does it seems weird i mean it uniquely identify should be based on the record id um yeah you know, and that's right. my preferred implementation yeah time yeah, to research <laughs> excuse me while i go sink a table yeah maybe we'll uh we'll showcase this in a bit or next week or next uh, show <clears throat> this is really cool this this would be useful for like i mean one use case that i've had people bring up and, and when they ask me is this possible and now i can say yes hopefully um it's like if they're syncing out a subset of data and they've got you know a long formula for their primary field in their source base but they want to share it with somebody that they don't necessarily want them to see that formula or it might be confusing so they want to just change whatever they're seeing on that side that they're syncing out okay and that would be hugely powerful 
So that is similar to this next one. Um, you can change the field type in the synced table. Um, so that might imply that if it's a, well, let's see, I'm trying to remember in a sync table, can you see the actual formula? If you're no. syncing over a formula, it doesn't show it. You can't click it, in to see the no. formula. It comes in as a long text field. It's a long text field. Um, so this actually allows you to change from a long text field to a single line text field. It's still not editable, so it's still read only the, the sync field. Um, but I thought that was interesting. What other what other field types would you change? Would it work for a single select? Maybe. Like, We're going to have to explore this in future segment. You, yeah. you could, I guess, if you had a number field and wanted to have a display as a rating, that's okay. you know a compatible field type that might be one mm -hmm. potential you know option yeah but i wish like the rec i wish i doubt you could implement your own linked records within your sync base right that would be nice if there is some way to to uh I wonder if the combination of the two, if you can change what your primary field is, I wonder if that allows you to, to think. That is interesting. I, I'll have to play around with that for sure. I am. Um, I've finally settled on like my best practice for link, like syncing two tables out and linking them back together. I'll have to do a segment on that at some point. Cause I think I have like, I think I got it down to a science. That's yeah. the cleanest way. So now it's gonna change everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. would be that would be a good segment because I, I know that comes up quite a bit. Yeah, actually I definitely will do that. There's but I would love to play with this for a single select because I had a use case for this the other day where I had two data sources I wanted to sync into the same table. One had a status single select field but the other one had no status field. And I wanted to fill them all out and just add to that single select. But if I used a formula on one side, then it all changed to the just text and I couldn't have the single select anymore. Hmm. So I'll have to try that out. That'd be really cool. Interesting. It also is interesting if you then change the type in the, um, Oh, so if you change it in the target, then it'll take precedence. So if you change it in the source, it's not going to override the target, which is probably the right way to handle that. Awesome. Uh, what else? Is there more down here? Advanced. I think that's always been there. Mm -hmm. Field has been manually edited. Wait. What does that mean? I mean, you can actually, oh, that's just showing you the type has been edited. So, uh -oh. yeah, but I think it's still, I don't think that means you can edit the data. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have done a test in the background and changing the primary field does change what field is the primary field in your sync destination, nice. which is useful. You have to do it on new syncs. It will not let you change a sync that has already been 
done. So uh, anytime you create a new synced table, you know, you could make that adjustment. I did test it directly from if you're in your origin table, it there's like an option that says sync this view to somewhere else. If you do it from there, it's not going to give you the advanced options that need that you need to say, okay, now pick this one as my primary field. So it's going to make that source. Um, and then you won't be able to change it later because like I just said, once it's there, you can't change what the primary field is. So uh, go to your origin view, make sure that toggle for allow it to be synced is turned on and then go to your destination base and then create the synced table from there. And then you'll see the advanced options and be able to select. Interesting. Awesome. Very useful, hot off the press. That's good stuff. Love it. So yeah, we'll probably we'll probably in a future uh, future episode we'll we'll dive deep into these changing changes mm -hmm. and get you caught up on everything. <laughs> All right, very cool. So those are kind of um, some of the updates. Melanie says it's a precursor to two-way sync. Maybe, maybe that would be interesting. Um, so moving on, there are a couple other things that have changed, but um, they weren't shared on the Airtable community. So we're going to the built-on Air community, and some people um, noticed a couple of things that are coming out. So Justin mentioned this. I haven't seen this yet. I don't know if either of you have seen this. Uh, I have. Yeah. Uh, Only in my free bases. Interesting. I so, saw it for the first time. This today you did? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so this is coming out. Um, so what it is, is it's a button on the plus button where you down in the lower left where there's been like a circle plus button to add a new record. They made that into kind of a pill that has an add button that allows you to click and then it has um, bring up here a, a bigger pop-up that comes up with all sorts of things that you can add, different views or automations. So it's more of kind of a, a quick start guide to adding new things to your base. So that's good and bad. I think people found it annoying. I think they saw it was a bug, like it wouldn't go away, the, the, the pop-up bubble. Um, so that's definitely annoying if that sticks around. Mm -hmm. I think that's all that was going on there. Um, so that, and then let's see here. Uh, we're going to come back to this one. This is one that, that I actually brought up, um, but I only see this in one base. So this is a new UI that is starting to roll out um, that moves automations up into the upper left and creates three menu items. Data is your standard grid um, base. Then there's automations and then interfaces is accessible up at the top. Um, have, you, have you guys seen this in any bases yet? No, I was waiting for it to start appearing and yeah. it has not. Yeah, I don't know why it's just in this one base. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it in any other bases. I haven't so. Um, I, I think I like the move, uh, right now automations and, um, extensions are options that are on the same line as your tabs. 
uh, for your different tables. So if you have a lot of tables, it's eating up not a whole lot of space, but some space in your real estate. And then interfaces is up at the top next to the name of the base. And it's, you know, B A, interfaces is still in beta. And B, it's, you know, there's a sort of uh, precedence or, I don't know, it, it, it seems to have like such a high level uh, compared to other things that you might want to access with a lot of frequency. And so uh, putting them at a similar sort of line and then next to the name of your base, I think might be a good move. I also like that they're, you know, showing you that you're looking at your, your data. Uh, presumably that still includes your Kanban views, galleries, calendars, et cetera, that aren't just the grid view, but they're all still looking at just your data um, effectively. But extensions is missing. Where is it? <laughs> I didn't, uh, yeah, I, I cut it off on this screenshot. I'm sure oh, okay. I it. it's over on the right. Is it on right, the same so. line as data and et cetera? No, or? no. Okay. it's down with the table names. Strange. So it's the same place where, where it is now, but automations is gone. So automations is moved up. So now it's just extensions over there. I guess the thought process there is you wouldn't have reason to look at your extensions and your automations at the same time. And you can't have an extension in an interface yet. So you wouldn't be there, but you might look at your extensions, which might include a chart or something like that at the same time you would look at your data. So that might make sense. Yeah. My guess is they're still trying to figure out what to do with extensions. So they just left it where it is. Could be. Could be. I'm, I'm excited about one thing I get annoyed about with having automations and extensions next to each other is when I do have to switch between the two of them. Cause like sometimes I'll have a script in a scripting extension, mm -hmm. taking some getting used to saying, um, <laughs> but I'll have to go back and there's no way to click on extensions. Once you have automations open, you have to close automations and mm -hmm. then click extensions again, which is frustrating to me. Yeah. yeah. But this well, fixes for me, the my major problem was automations and apps both start with an A, and so I would click one, meaning to click on one, and I would click on the other on accident. Now they don't start with the same letter anymore, but they'll be even further away, so I can't yeah. do that accidental click. But yeah. The cool thing about this is now it's much easier to jump between data and interfaces. Before it was like impossible to get out of interfaces. Yeah. Um, so this is a big improvement. Um, one thing that's kind of annoying is it doesn't remember your state. So when you're in interfaces and then you jump back to data, it doesn't remember like what interface you were in. Uh -huh. You have to then go back and I'm pretty sure that's, that's how it works. But, and same with automations, like it doesn't remember if you're like inside a step. Um, and that's how it is now too, which is yeah annoying the, yeah. the interfaces one thing i find annoying about i mean there's a lot of things about the navigation about with interfaces that needs to be fixed but the overview page like when you get to that there's no way to like go back to all of your different inter interfaces icons you have to hit the back button mm -hmm. like, if that makes any sense yeah. without putting it on the screen but yeah 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 maybe that's changed we could do uh we could do in a future one, once it this starts to roll out more, we'll dive more into it. Exciting. <laughs> but it's good. It's coming. I could see, um, I feel like now that they've changed 
interfaces or uh, extensions to extensions. I feel like eventually they're going to reintroduce apps and it'll probably be up in here. And those will be like full blown apps that take over the entire uh, UI. Um, I could see that coming or maybe interfaces is where that happens. I don't know, but this opens up more flexibility to add more, more functionality at the top level. So with that, as far as what's coming, um, here's some interesting tidbits. Hopefully I don't get in trouble for this. I don't, I, I thought this was like a public, um, sharing of Airtable. Somebody said maybe it was just for enterprise customers. I don't know, but we'll see it's, it's out there. So, um, but uh, basically what's coming next um, at a glance of interface designer, um, enable advanced permissions, app-like capabilities, uh, creation experience. So um, coming soon is record creation, new button types and better navigation. And then the advanced stuff uh, in the future so as far as record creation, the ability to create a new form layout sometime in this quarter um, and then trigger a form in a modal from an existing page. So that's coming. Um, advanced permissions, invite users to the interface without granting access to the underlying base sometime later this year. So right. that's exciting. Uh, oops, new button types, dang it. Um, new button types that will be able to open other URLs and pages, uh, start automations, it looks like, off of a button. So that's coming. That's exciting. Um, <laughs> Customizable detail views, detail, uh, view, detail view with the power of interface designer. Yeah, so that's my most anticipated change. And I'm curious to see if it only exists in interface designer or if it also exists in the data tab, if they you know, launch that new top level navigation for everybody. Uh, because that's been a, a, a sought after feature for a while. Uh, the what is shown to you in terms of the order of fields and the visibility of fields has been somewhat of a mystery for a while. It's highly dependent on from where you've clicked on a record. Mm -hmm. um, but like, yeah, I just, you know, I wish that you could very easily be able to say under what circumstances I want to show such and such fields. And it looks like they're going to let you do you know, perhaps a two column layout because having everything in one column is not super convenient if you have a lot of uh, fields. Yeah. 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 I could yeah, see. That would be interesting. Absolutely. I'm, that was my first question too, is, is, is this only going to be available in interface designer or is it going to be universal, you know, all expanded records? But I would hope that, I mean, it makes me think of Coda. That's something I really loved about Coda is that you can, design different layouts for your expanded records. And you can, I think, even choose which one is visible when. Um, I can't recall if that's ac exactly true. But if that's where we're going, I'd be super excited. Yeah, 
And then the other little tidbit up here, you see desktop and mobile. So they've got different uh, experiences. Mm -hmm. so they might be getting into the mobile app design world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, exciting stuff. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Super cool. There's one more updated editor. So improvements to the editor, some interesting different. Yeah, thoughts. when it's been out for a while, so I've gotten used to a lot of the particulars with the interface designer editor, but it is, you know, fairly finicky, especially if you have multiple columns already on the page and you want to move something to the top of a column in a row. Sometimes it thinks you want to start a new row as opposed to just reordering within that column. Um, so, you know, the more complex your, your page has become, the more difficult it is to place things exactly where you want it. Um, I know some other editors for, you know, what you see is what you get type design experiences. They have a thing on the left, usually that's like a, basically your table of contents of all of the elements on the page, where if you want to drag stuff, you could just drag it in that table of contents, and then you don't have to worry about moving your mouse at exactly the right pixel for it to go where you need it. That might be one way that they could be, you know, improving the drag and drop functionality, but it looks like they're um, also adding perhaps new templates and other experiences to the editor as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, stuff coming to interface. They're definitely um, working on that. And uh, we shall see in the coming months. So something's coming soon to the world of interface. So um, excited to see what's coming there. So that's kind of what we've got for what's going on in the Airtable world. Uh, some exciting new features. And um, so let's move on. So a quick spotlight on Onto Air. It's our primary sponsor. It's an all-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a set of apps or extensions or something else that <laughs> we don't know what to name that um, allow your business to execute to its maximum potential on Airtable. Uh, for today's spotlight, we're going to continue with the theme of sneak peeks. So we launched our... Um, so our very our second product that we launched was an integration with JotForm, and so we call that our Ontario Forms. And it was kind of we wanted to kind of test case um, getting something quick and dirty that allowed people to build more advanced form solution. And we decided at that time to go with JotForm because it allowed it was really the only form builder out there that allows you to build kind of on top of it or inside of it. And so it allowed us to build little widgets that we could incorporate Airtable data. Um, <clears throat> but it also introduced a lot of issues um, that made it challenging and JotForm has some quirks that um, has made that a bit difficult to get going. And so um, it's probably been a year in the making, we decided to build our own form solution and we were getting very close to that. So I wanted to today give the very first sneak peek of, of what's coming in there. Um, and of course, uh, Murphy's Law came into effect. I made a quick change last night and um, broke something. And so I can't get a full functional 
um, form running. I didn't have enough time to get it running, but this is one that is still in some state of functionality. Um, just to give you a quick glimpse, what we're going to do is the next uh, three episodes that we have up until this launch, the goal is to launch this at the end of July, beginning of August. Um, and so we're going to, I'm going to sneak peek different functionality that we have um, coming in the form solution, but it'll be a full functional standalone form, won't be dependent on uh, job form or anything. And it'll have the full ability to edit existing records, create new records, edit linked records, um, create as many linked records as you want, add existing linked records, um, full visibility into attachments, the ability to create new options for select or multi-select records um, on the fly and everything will be configurable. Um, dynamic ability to hide and show records, even update um, records, things like that. So very, very excited for this. This is kind of taking everything that I've learned from our first form solution, as well as what we, a lot of what we learned from our Amplify product um, building into a standalone form solution. So this has been a lot of work and there's still a lot of work yet to go to get it all ready. Um, but just wanted to showcase this and, and start getting it out there. So if you have must have features that you want to see from a form solution, let us know. We might be able to sneak it in before we launch this. So we'd love to hear feedback on what people absolutely need from a form solution. That's exciting. Yes, very, very excited for that. <clears throat> uh, Melanie, only right now we're launching with just uh, a single um, field per row. We're not we're not launching with a with a you know interface designer, so it will be just kind of a standard like like Airtable's form at launch. But uh, designer will be in a future release after that. <clears throat> All right. Our first segment, um, I will be handling this scripting time. So um, one thing that, that, especially for beginners, if you're just dabbling with, um, with scripting, one of the first things that you'll probably like hit your head against is understanding what these keywords are, async and await. Um, it came up recently in the Built on Air community. Um, <clears throat> Russell Bishop, hopefully you're okay with me uh, using this as a test case, but um, he actually is doing this outside of Airtable. So this is just in code, but it's still JavaScript. So it'll work pretty similarly, but trying to understand the concept of a promise. So I wanna try to help people understand what a promise is because you'll need to know what that is if you're doing any scripting within Airtable or writing any code um, in JavaScript in general. This isn't anything uh, Airtable specific. Um, so let's add a scripting extension to our base. And you'll notice in Airtable, um, when you're dealing with any data um, from Airtable, Let's use one of their, <clears throat> here we go. Um, what you'll notice is their functions to get data from a table, they always end with async. 
And so that's kind of, I think they did that is just to make it obvious that this is um, what's called a promise. So a promise means, uh, Camille, you're going to have to help me with this to explain. Uh, I, 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 I understand conceptually okay. what the, the process of using async and await. And for some reason, my brain has never connected the concept of a promise, which is the same thing. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who knows how much help I'll be. <laughs> basically, basically what the what what it means is in JavaScript, um, when you when it's executing code, it has the ability to kind of step outside of that linear code to perform some action. And so if you know anything about how computers run, your computer has a CPU, which is kind of the brain of the computer and it's executing one line at a time. Well, if you have a task that might take a long time, for example, the most common one is making a request out to the internet and asking for some data um, from, from a, a URL. That could take a long time because it has to go across the internet and wait for it. What they do is they say, while you're waiting for that code to execute somewhere else, we're going to continue on with the code that, that we have here. And so they allow you to be executing code while you're also waiting for some other response for something happening outside of um, your code of execution. And so that's kind of what a promise is. It, it allows you to, um, to, to wait um, or, or to kind of, send away code to be executed on another uh, environment and then you can continue on and then later come back to that code once it's done. And so what the async and await does is tells it that, no, I don't want to execute anymore until that other thing is done. And I want to wait for what that, that other piece of you know, code that's executing is completed. And so right here, what we're now doing is we're saying we're going to wait for this asynchronous function to finish and return before we um, execute the, the next line of code. So if we didn't put this await here, um, this would actually return what's called a promise, which is this placeholder <coughs> that um, is not the is not what you would be expecting and so um, that's why it actually it actually gave me this error now because it doesn't exist the the records uh, property doesn't exist on a promise and so if you don't have that await there then then you're it's not going to do what what you expect it to do now, what you could do is there's two ways you can deal with promises. One is to um, just say, I want to wait right here for it. And that's the way that I would likely, that, that's the way I usually do things now. Um, I, I come from, I actually did JavaScript before this kind of was out or popular. And it was a nightmare. What you would have to do is, there's another way where you can deal with promises where you can um, then wait. You can call dot then and wait for um, and then get the result as a parameter into here. 
and then use a function that then processes that. So you could have this chain of all of these uh, thens um, of whenever it's finished, then it executes this code. But what, what you would notice is, and this is what Russell was seeing with his code, is he was implementing uh, dot then, if we go back to that example, um, right here, this dot find, um, this is kind of the equivalent of a, of a promise callback. So this code right here won't get executed until it actually makes that, that call to the server. But then he had this line right here and what, and what he was noticing and, 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 and trying to understand was that this gets executed before this does. And that's because when you call this base, this is a promise and it's making an API call to the, the REST API of Airtable. Now it's going to return instantly and then it will execute this and then come back to this code inside of here because this is the callback. So that's, so it's basically saying, I'm gonna call this and I'm gonna continue on. And then whenever I get the response back from the server, then I'm gonna call this function and execute what's inside of there. And then it's gonna continue on to any, any code after um, this. So if he instead used an await right here, then it would wait right there in that line and not process anything. It would basically just stall. And then once the server came back, then it would continue on, which is usually what people want to do unless you're really trying to do a lot of things at the same time. There might be times when you want to use the other approach. So hopefully that helps um, understand uh, the difference between, you know, when, whenever an Airtable, because they, they use all the, the standard naming convention of putting async on everything, that helps you understand that you probably need to put an await in front of it unless you um, want to use the promise approach. So hopefully that helps explain it. Anything to add there? I can confuse the audience with a metaphor. That's always fun. Go for it. Uh, to me, um, with the two approaches that we had shown, um, when you're using a weight, think of when you're um, cooking something for dinner. So you're started cooking, you realize you don't have the ingredients. When you use a weight, you're basically telling your roommate to go to the store, give me the ingredients I'm missing, come back, and as soon as you have them in your hands, you continue cooking. With then, it's more like, all right, you're cooking, you realize you have stuff missing. You send your roommate to the store. And in the interim, you make a salad. <laughs> and then at some point, your roommate comes back and then you finish cooking whatever it is you were cooking. And at the end, you've already made your side dishes. So, you know. It's so good. I love that. Convoluted metaphors. It's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So hopefully that didn't completely scare people away from scripting. It's not that hard. Once you figure that out, it's definitely something that is confusing at first, but um, once you get it, then, then it's pretty straightforward. So let's continue on to our next segment. Camille is going to go through an audience question with us. Sure would be helpful screen. if I shared my screen. <laughs> Hold on. 
Okay, so, um, am I sharing? Yep. Okay, so there was this question on the Airtable community forums, and it was a fairly good one because I think it comes up often, and there's a, bi a billion different ways that you could, um, you know, start to solve the issue. So essentially, they had a series of fields. Um, I think it was four different date fields. Uh, some of them have values in them and some of them don't. And they wanted to have another field that summarized each of those four fields together. But if one of those date fields was empty, just not include the value for that field. That sounds simple. And it is simple unless you want to have a separator in between each of your fields. Um, because if you just sort of concatenated a bunch of fields together, including the separator, and then one of your fields is empty, what you're going to end up with is just a floating separator. Um, and then uh, her initial approach was to concatenate things together and then use an if statement that's like if, you know, the edit date and or the format date is there, then put in the semicolon. Otherwise, you know, don't put anything. And that's one way you could do it but that gets really complicated once you have several, several fields that you're trying to uh, concatenate together. And it's also, you know, difficult if it doesn't matter uh, whether or not format versus production is empty. Uh, some processes are very sequential where, you know, if production start has a value, then format must have a value. That's not the case here. It didn't matter which ones were empty and which ones weren't. So the actual formula to put in the separators was what was making uh, the problem a little bit difficult. So what I ended up doing is I just recreated uh, the setup and just had um, some values filled in, some not. And then I used regex in order to handle my separator. So I have in here fairly simple uh, lines for each of my four date fields. So if there's a value for edit, then put in the name of the field and then format the edit date uh, so that it's uh, you know readable. You have to do this for um, any sort of date field, put it in a date time format, otherwise you'll get the uh, Unix timestamp, which isn't so pretty. I did that for each of my four, and no matter which field it was, all of them, as part of their formatting, include the semicolon and a space at the end. I could have also just concaten concatenated a semicolon and space at the end. However, it didn't matter. I was already using datetime format. I just uh, collapsed uh, that into one function. <laughs> and then outside of that, um, outside of my concatenation, I have a regex replace, which is taking any semicolon and then a space followed by the end of a line. So the when you're using regex, there are different um, variables or placeholders for very specific um, items. In this case, I'm using the dollar sign because in regex, a dollar sign means this is the end of the text or end of the line. Um, I am using regex replace, so it's taking any uh, semicolon and space followed immediately by an end of the line and replace it with nothing, just blank space. Um, and with that, I ended up with this field. This other field is just separating them into, you know, one line each just so that it's easier to see and read. 
um, you'll notice that each field uh, ends with a semicolon unless it's the last one, and it doesn't matter which is the last one. If I delete this value, it will update. Edit start is now the last uh, option. So even though it is supposed to have a semicolon at the end, it doesn't have one anymore. If I were to fill in the format start and put that in, edit start gets its semicolon back, but format start doesn't have it anymore. And then once more, if I were to delete edit start, format start is now the first and the last. It doesn't need the semicolon, so it's disappeared. Uh, I thought that was the simplest way to handle multiple different fields being concatenated together, and it will work for basically any separator as long as your separator doesn't happen to be one of these regex uh, replaces. Uh, if, it, uh, for instance, you wanted to use a dollar sign as your actual separator, then your code would look something like you'd have to um, what's called escape the character. So proceed it with a couple of slashes and then put that in. And then that's what, that's what would allow you to use a dollar sign as your separator. But that's it. Um, I put that same formula in this uh, thread so you'd be able to uh, copy it for yourself. That's awesome. I'm, I've never experimented with regex because I find it super intimidating and scary. It is. And this makes me really want to because this is actually a use case that like I, I'm, I have so many formulas that are super long because I'm like mm -hmm. if or anything that came before it and something after it, then put a comma and blah, blah, blah. This makes it so simple and clean. I love it. Yeah. When regex was added, it was a lot of like, well, I could do this with regular you know, uh, formula functions, and you could, but you could also write a much smaller form formula if you just did it this way. And um, I, I, it, I find regex really intimidating. I don't have all of these, you know, placeholder values memorized in my head. I every single time I write a regex formula, I click on the the guide so that I can see, you know, the breakdown of what each character actually means yeah. but you could it allows you to do stuff like this which will save you a lot of headache if you could just uh you know think to yourself all right let me standardize everything and put a semicolon there every time and then you know replace only the semicolons at the end really the hard part is thinking of you know recognizing situations where regex could work and right. then the other hard part is actually working with regex <laughs> I can't even imagine, but this looks hugely powerful. It's almost kind of like a, an array function in a way. It's like looping kind of to look for the line, the end of each line. Yeah, it, it, it opens a whole lot of doors and, you know, there's infinite solutions that are easier with regex and some that weren't even really possible without, you know, several, several formula fields working in tandem to do stuff. And this was one of those instances where I was, like, aha, I'm pretty sure regex could do this in a shorter formula. Yeah. And and your regex, yeah, it's only the replace at the end, yeah. So mm -hmm. that's fairly simple. <clears throat> yeah, if you're doing regex, there's websites out there that you'll live on that help you test, is this valid? Does this work? You probably want to do it there instead of just continually updating a formula saving and see if, and if, if it worked. Mm -hmm.
Very cool stuff. Thank you, Camille. All right, moving on, just a quick plug for our Built On Air community. We'd love to have you join us if you're not already in. We have an active Slack community of thousands of Airtable users and always stuff going on. So please join us, builtonair.com slash join to sign up. And our final segment, Ali is going to walk through advanced linked record filters. All right. Am I sharing here? Yep. Good. Excellent. Okay. So this is something that's super exciting. Um, it's not as exciting, I think, as some people thought it was based on the name of the release with the advanced filter options for linked records. Um, it literally is only talking about the filtering function. It's nothing special about being able to filter the choices by your linked record, which hopefully is coming sometime in the future. Um, but this is still very powerful. Um, so actually, this is something I kind of touched on a few weeks ago before this was something that was available. And a little trick that I had used in the past and sometimes will probably still use because I like having the color of a single select field is on my locations table, I actually have that single select here um, for each one. And even if this is still reading, sometimes I'll have the name actually read the single select, but neither here nor there. Um, and then because I have each record on my company vehicle table linked to a location, I'm able to look up that single select. And then I could use that as a filter to be able to actually choose an option um, and that was to get around having to type in the actual code for a linked record. Um, if I'm trying to filter by the actual physical location, see, because it's on contains, it still stays there. So this is interesting. That works out pretty well. Um, previously, you'd have to actually type in here, you know, K-Pork, instead of just picking it from the list, mm -hmm. you can with a single select. But now we have all of these pretty options here. So instead of just contains or is, um, or does not contain, now we have has any of, has all of, is exactly, and has none of, which all pertain to a actual selector for those linked record fields. So just like I could have with my single select field, now this is gonna function very similar to how um, actually choosing a linked record works in a field. Um, I can actually go and find that linked record. It's going to show me um, other information about that linked record, just like it does in the linked record picker. And now I can go through and pick my locations just like I could with that single select, mm -hmm. which is super, super helpful. Like I said, I still probably will use my little hack with the single select because I like the colors, but this makes things a lot easier because previously you'd have to kind of rely on knowing what that linked record was called and actually having the correct spelling, nomenclature, whatever it is for your naming convention, like somewhat memorized or just have to guess, like, did I type it in mm -hmm. white shirt or yellow t-shirt white or whatever it is like. Yeah, there were, there were like three major problems with the contains does not contains because it didn't have is. Right. So if your name was like Carl and then another person's name is Carlita, yeah. And you're looking for contains Carl, you're going to get both of those people and they're different people. And then um, if Carl were to change their name to Phil or something, 
that's no longer going to contain it. Even though you were looking for a very particular record, it right. no longer contains Carl, so it's not going to lose that. This uh, implementation, I've tested it before, um, has, does not have, has any of, has none of, they're looking at the record ID. So if you were to rename that to say whatever, it's still going to pick, you know, that specific record that was found. Exactly. So to demo what Camille just said, if I had just previously, if I'm relying on contains and I had typed in KPOR, which was the name of my record, went here and changed the name of my record now to test, my view is now completely broken. There's nothing there. Not really broken, but still. However, if I actually use that selector as any of, now it's called test, and I go back and change my name back, it still works. And it actually, oh, look, it's going to load. That's cool. So now it stays with the actual name of that record, and it's not going to break that link. So super exciting stuff. And the last issue with contains does not contain is if you wanted to look at two different people, you'd have to have two separate filters says, you know, contains Carl or contains Phil and have that as like a conditional group. And you'd have to do that for however many records. And that's deeply infeasible, depending on how many record types or whatever that you were looking for. And now it's just one line mm -hmm. uh, makes it super easy. And uh, someone from our chat pointed out that it's not just in you know, the data view, it's also an interface uh, designer and also in automations, if I'm not mistaken, for it conditions. Is. So yeah, it's everywhere and it's super useful. It's super, super useful. Yes, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Um, I think it's going to make for a much easier user experience without, your users don't have to remember how you name everything. They can just find it from the list. Mm -hmm. so that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. That is awesome. Good stuff for today. Um, so next week, we're going to be off for a week because of the 4th of July holiday here in the States. Um, so we will be back in two weeks and then we'll have uh, three shows in, in July to, to end out the season. So thank you for joining and Camille and Allie for sharing your amazing insights with the community. And until then, we will see you guys next time. Take care. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.